Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm Doug Sweeney, the Dean of Beeson Divinity School, and I'm here today with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. We are brimming with excitement about our interview today with two good friends and colleagues, Gabby Watts and David Austin, who attended a life-changing conference over the summer. Kristen, would you tell us just a little bit about today's interviewees? Yes, uh, Gabby Watts, who, if you could see our room, is sitting to my left, is the program assistant in our global center, and she's been here now for two years. Is that correct, Gabby? Or are you going on year three? I'm going on year two, so yeah. Year two. And um, she has just made such a wonderful difference in addition to our community here. Gabby is a native of Chicago, and she and her husband, Andrew, are actively involved in missions, and she's going to be telling you more about that. And then... And next to her is a friend of mine as well, Reverend David Austin. He is a Master of Divinity student at Beeson, and he is also the pastor of Unified Fellowship Community Baptist Church in Midfield. Um, He is married to Katrina, and they have one beautiful son, David. And how old is he now? Eight months yesterday. Eight months. So he is just growing beautifully. I love seeing his pictures, David. So welcome, Gabby and David, to the Beeson Podcast. And we just want to begin this conversation with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Who are you? Where did you come from? How did you come to faith in Christ? Why and how did you end up at Beeson? Well, thank you for having us. My background is... Like you stated earlier, I'm from Chicago, and I always grew up in church, but I really didn't come to know the Lord until I was in college. Um, It's actually kind of a funny story. I got saved because a cute guy asked me to church my first week of school, (laughs) and he said, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, of course I believe in Jesus. He said, you want to come to church with me? I said, yes, I will. (laughs) And um, I went to church, and I got saved. (laughs) So the Lord will use anything. Um, I always tell people that I went to church for a boy, but I left knowing the greatest man I'll ever know. Um, But yeah, me and my husband, Andrew, um, we are very passionate about missions. And my background is hospitality and event planning. And I worked in Hilton for a couple of years doing that. But when I saw this opportunity to marry both of my passions with Beeson, because they were looking for a program assistant who could coordinate things, but had a passion for missions. And I just couldn't say no to an opportunity like that. So I'm very happy to be here um, and just to see God move in Beeson. So... We're glad to have you. David? I'm a native Birminghamian, born and raised here in Birmingham. Uh, I'm a preacher's son. Uh, my father's a pastor. And because of that, I saw, I grew up seeing the mess in the church and didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity, the church, God. I was just, uh, and uh, after undergrad and a few years in the military, I moved to Atlanta and my aunt lived there and she just kept bugging me about going to church <laughs> and I was just I was not having it and I was like if I don't go she will just bug me until the end of no time <laughs> and so I went it was a church plant they were meeting in the chapel of a funeral home uh, and you know we, we've heard the story so many times before it seems like the message God was speaking directly to me so I um, 
I decided to go back the following Sunday, and I gave my life to Christ. I was a smoker at the time. I had a brand-new pack of Newports in my pocket <laughs> I hadn't even opened. And the moment that I gave my life to Christ, he took the taste from me. Mm. I no longer had a desire to smoke. And I walked out of the sanctuary, and I pulled cigarettes out, threw them in the trash, and I've been running for Christ ever since. So, Gabby, tell us a story about how you learned of the National African American Missions Conference and wound up not only going yourself, but organizing a group of Beeson people to go. Yes. Well, me and my husband, we coordinate um, kind of like a missions intro or missions mobilization course called Perspectives. And we were at one of our trainings in Orlando, Florida. And one of the representatives um, came to me and he said, Hey, Gabby, so... Um, what do you find is um, something that I can help you with as you're kind of coordinating these classes and things with perspectives? And I said, well, maybe you can answer this one question for me. Where are all the African-Americans? <laughs> and he's like, whoa. And I was like, I've gone to several of these workshops, and I am always the only African-American here. I was like, I know that they have to be interested. Like, I can't just be the only one. And he said, you know what? You need to go to NAMAC. And I went, what's a NAMAC? <laughs> and he said, it's the National African Americans Missions Conference. And um, you need to be there. It happens every summer. So I went home. I did my research. And um, I told my boss, the director of the Global Center here at Beeson, hey, we need to go to NAMAC. Um, because it's a conference that is solely geared towards educating and mobilizing African Americans in missions mm-hmm. and helping people to um, get that information for themselves so they can pass it on to their congregations and organizations. Mm-hmm. So um, working in the Global Center, which is kind of like the missions hub here at Beeson, mm-hmm. I thought, this is a no-brainer. We have to be there. <laughs> um, so faithful, like just luckily, we were able to have the funding that we could send five students. And so we took... Um, three African-American students and two Caucasian students. Some of them were even our mission certificate students. Um, And it was an amazing and very impactful time. Explain what a mission certificate is for our listeners. Yes. So for students here at Beeson, if you are getting your um, master's in divinity, you can get a mission certificate. And so what that entails is that you will use your elective courses to focus more on um, missions-focused classes. So you would take um, world religions, you would take an intro to missions course, you would take a course that is revolved around just um, global Christianity and strategies and things that are playing out. Um, and you would also do an extended cross-cultural ministry practicum where you would travel overseas for six weeks and learn how to work um, and minister and mentor in a completely different culture of your own under supervision. So, David, um, you have an interesting story. Yes. Because when Gabby approached you (laughs) about going to this conference, you were a bit reluctant. Can you tell us about why that was and how she convinced you to go and what changed? Yeah. uh, You use the word reluctant, and it's funny because now after telling my conversion story, reluctance may be my middle name. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I wasn't too fond of missions or the thought of it. Dr. Parks and I had, you know, had some conversations and I was from my mindset and from my paradigm. It wasn't something that we did in the black community, in our community. When you're from a community that is an oppressed community, you have a tendency to look at the present situation and you can't see beyond that. Or at least I couldn't. I couldn't see beyond 
the, the what was going on in our communities right then. And so the language that I would speak is thousands of miles when there's someone right behind our church that needs our help. I don't have to travel to find people that need help. And so, and the immediate need to me, being from a community that needs so much reassuring, to me, superseded the need of going elsewhere. And so when Gabby came to me and asked me, and I was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, man, Dr. Parks won't let up. And I was like, well, school will be letting out. It'll kind of be a cool trip. School is paying for it. Oh, well. And it was it was life-changing. God did something on that trip with me that I am eternally grateful because as a pastor, I was missing it. And it's easy to be stifled by pain. And my pain was keeping me from being what God has called me to be. And so that's what that was the light bulb that cut on during the the, the conference for me. It was it was altering, life altering. Gabby, I am told that there was one session at the conference in particular that made a big impact on you. Would you tell our audience about that and why it was such a big deal for you? Yes. Um, so the very first session that I went to, and David actually um, joined me, was called, Where Are All the African Americans? <laughs> and I gravitated towards that session because that was a question I've been asking for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it was led by Dr. Philip Nelson, and he did a phenomenal job of just explaining African American history and missions. And I had always heard, you know, one name when it came to African American missions, and that was George Lyle, you know, and that he was a pioneer of missions in the late 1700s. And I was like, okay, I know him, but that was it. Right. (laughs) And he went through this amazing, like, beautiful, Mm. just breakdown Mm. and threw out names I had never heard of, like Lot Carey and John Stewart. and just kept sharing about how we had this rich history, but then through things like slavery and colonization mm-hmm. and civil war and the Jim Crow laws and civil rights issues, mm-hmm. how African-Americans did an inward turn. Mm-hmm. And he said the problem happened was that they had so many things coming against them. They turned inward mm-hmm. and had to basically just focus on self-survival. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't in the foreground for them to go out anymore. And I thought, I was like, wow, that was just, that's something I had no idea. Like, it wasn't that we just simply lost interest. It was just there were so many things going on around us that just really hindered and prohibited us from going and telling and serving like we should. But then the beautiful thing, though, is that through all of that, he also pointed out how even still God has been faithful and he has Mm -hmm. been good. And that now in our present era, we are seeing a resurgence of African-Americans in missions. Mm -hmm. So it's like we talked about the history. We acknowledge the hindrances, but we're celebrating what God is doing now. And I thought that was amazing. That is amazing. And I have an advantage on our listeners in that I am looking at you right now. And I see that you have an important (laughs) book with you that I think our listeners might benefit from knowing about. Would you tell them just real briefly what that book is? Yes. So this book I've got my hands on um, has got me really excited. It's called Profiles of African American Missionaries, and it is produced by the William Carey Library. And one of the beautiful things that it says on the back of this book is it says, in 2010, the U.S. Census Bureau showed that there are 42 million people who identify themselves as African Americans. Of the 42 million, there are only an estimate 20 million who self-identify as Christians. And out of this number, very few leave the United States and go to other countries as missionaries. 
The reason for the absence of African-American missionaries are varied and in some respects understandable, yet we are all called to be engaged in the Great Commission. And so this book breaks down the history of African-Americans in missions, but also encourages the current generation to, I guess, just um, pick up where these missionaries left off, continue what they were doing, because the work is not done yet. That's great. So we will definitely get a copy of that book in our Beeson Library. Yes. And we recommend it highly to our listeners as well. Yes. David, let's circle back to you for a minute. You were in that session. You've mm-hmm. already shared that this was a life-changing experience and yes. this light bulb went off. Mm-hmm. Can you take us a little bit deeper into that process of mm-hmm. what God did did through mm-hmm. this conference with mm-hmm. you and kind of where you are right now, having mm-hmm. come back um, mm-hmm. to your congregation as mm-hmm. you're thinking about mm-hmm. um, mobilizing your own people mm-hmm. for um, missions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that that breakout session was Dr. Nelson was just phenomenal. Uh, there was something that he said that convicted me to my core. He said, uh, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up, the whole church is responsible for taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. And so it made me realize that through my pain and through my experience here in, in, in this wonderful country that we live in, that I limited myself to my pain or to my community experience, and I stopped there because I pitied us so much. And where is where is Christ in that? And so where is it that it's written that you shouldn't evangelize if you're experiencing pain. And so that's where it took me. And mm-hmm. for me to realize that I had, as a pastor, as someone that I know that God has called, I was missing it because I wasn't trying to, to, to take the whole gospel to the whole world. I was trying to take the portion of the gospel that I related to, to my community. Mm-hmm. And that was life changing. And so, I begin, immediately began, Gabby and I began to talk, and it's almost like we pulled off from everyone else. And I was having these ideas running through my head, and I was like, well, I can do this and I can do that, because I immediately understood the challenges that that I would face trying to get other black pastors in my community to now see it the way that I was seeing it. Because they would have arguments, and their arguments would be valid from their paradigm. And it's hard to get people to look beyond the pain sometimes. I, I think about... Uh, and Gabby and I was just just talking about this uh, earlier about how I had to wrestle with it. And I was thinking about how Jacob wrestled with the angel. After he wrestled, his walk changed. Mm-hmm. And sure after I wrestled, my walk changed. Mm-hmm. So I, my walk will never be the same again. So now the question is, how do I get others to limp? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I get them to limp like me and to be able to slow down and see a broader picture and not not move in a way that you think is right, but that you know is right, you know you're being called to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have some work to do, but it's, it's strategizing, okay? And I told Gabby, I said, well, we need to do this. If we can get him to come and speak, and maybe if we did this, and I can get five pastors, I need to start with five, and I would have to trick them to get them to a meeting. So <laughs> that's where my mind was, because it's it's needed. We are needed on the mission field. I am Christian. Mm-hmm. And God has called me to take his word to those that haven't heard it, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you. Go deeper with that, Gabby and David, about what African Americans Mm -hmm. bring to missions Mm. that someone like me, a Caucasian, Mm -hmm. may not be able to. I think that African Americans have a very unique role that they play in missions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really experienced that at the conference seeing it, but also it made me reflect on things I've experienced personally. Um, I've had the pleasure to travel to a few countries. And um, recently, last November, I got to go to India. Now, my husband is Caucasian, and I'm African-American. And the experiences that we had were completely different Mm -hmm. solely because of the color of our skin. Mm -hmm. Um, We went into very poor and impoverished villages in India, and how they responded to my husband and how they responded to me were totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, If my husband Andrew wanted to you know, sit down and talk to them, they would, and they would listen, you know. But then if I said something to the women, and just because I was an African-American, they felt like they could share their pains and their struggles with me because they know our history, and Mm -hmm. they felt like this is more relatable. But when they looked at my husband, they just saw, you know, just like a white man, Mm -hmm. where it can definitely just fall back to colonization times, but also just wealth and Mm -hmm. unrelatable, basically. Mm -hmm. I think that that is huge and powerful, Mm -hmm. how just our history and our legacy and our culture can just make us more, I don't I don't think inviting is the right word. I think it's more so just relatable and they can just understand it. Re- pain resonates with people. And if they feel like you can understand their pain, then it makes them want to open up mm-hmm. and hear more from you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a unique honor that I had as an African-American. Mm-hmm. David, anything you want to add while we're on this subject? No, I mean, she, she hit the nail on the head. It's, it isn't a secret globally what we've suffered as a people here. That's right. And we can use that to our advantage. And as you were speaking, I was thinking how in certain places here, my ethnicity will have doors closed on me. But there and in that aspect, doors open for me because they can identify, if nothing else, with the pain. So, yeah, it just has to be taken advantage of. So, Gabby, we want to conclude by asking both of you to speak directly to our listeners, uh, pastors, lay people in churches, Beeson friends, Beeson alums, and help them to make good on some of the things you learned this summer at your conference. But before I ask that question, I'm looking at you because I'm also thinking about what difference this conference should make for us at Beeson Divinity School uh, this year and in the years ahead. And surely you've done a little bit of thinking as a global center person (laughs) about what you're hoping Beeson is going to take away and apply based on your experience at this conference. Yes, I did. Um, You know, that conference excited me because for the first time in my life, I encountered um, I learned about our, our rich history, but I also encountered other African-Americans who were just as passionate about missions as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never forget the moment at the end of the conference when they said, all of the African-Americans that are currently serving um, as missionaries, please come to the front. And you just have at least two dozen African-Americans standing right in front of you of various ages, just standing there proudly saying, this is us and we are here and we are on the mission field. And It is so powerful to see someone that looks like you doing what you want to do. And so I came back extremely excited. And one of my biggest things that I thought that we were missing at Beeson was just a celebration of that. Um, We have 
several mission certificate students. One of them, Armistead, comes to mind. He's an African-American. And um, in the Global Center, we have all these wonderful and beautiful like tributes and just information that we give people on missions. But coming back from that conference, I realized, hey, we're missing like an African-American mission section and things like that, where it's like a visual representation of our history and our legacy. So that the next Beeson student that comes in here that says, you know, I'm thinking about missions, but well, I see a bunch of, you know, um, white men on the wall. Maybe this isn't really for me, you know, but then they see a George Lyle and realize that African-Americans pioneered missions from the states. That's an empowerment that happens and an excitement that happens. And that's what I want for the Beeson community. Also, you don't know what you don't know. Information is very powerful. Um, and so I would love to just see just that information passed down where, you know, we highlight some of these profiles of African-Americans in missions and we talk about them. Um, and we just, we acknowledge just the the history and the hindrances and things that may have calmed it down and not in a way to point fingers, but just to say, hey, this is our history. This is what has happened. But look what God is doing now. Um, two of the um, Caucasian students that went, they were a married couple. And my favorite statement that they said was they said it was an honor as majority culture to be at this conference mm-hmm. because they said they got to sit back for a moment and lament with mm-hmm. minority culture mm-hmm. on things mm-hmm. and just listen mm-hmm. and then celebrate with them. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I thought that was so powerful. And now how about my uh, final question about what our listeners might take away from this, whether they're black or white or no matter what their ethnic background, uh, what should Christians know about what's going on these days uh, among uh, those interested in African-American missions? And how might it inspire all of us to be more faithful as uh, gospel witnesses, both at home and in other parts of the world? I would encourage community, churches, pastors, everyone to really um, take a look at how they are engaging their community, their churches, and themselves in fulfilling the Great Commission. I mean, it is just so clear in Scripture, God's missional heart for His children. Um, it begins in Genesis, Genesis and it ends in Revelations. And um, I think when we take a moment to look inward and assess kind of our heart when it comes towards missions and fulfilling the Great Commission, then that's the first step. Um, and from that overflow, we can introduce things like African-Americans in missions and encouraging the minorities in their communities to want to be a part of this. This isn't just mm-hmm. a minority culture, a majority culture thing or a white person's thing. We all have a part to play in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking, you know, specifically about African-Americans here, but there's a role that Latinos will play in mm-hmm. missions. There's a role that the Asian community plays in missions. There's a role that women play in missions that's going to be different than the role that men play in missions. So um, just taking an inward look and asking really God to use the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how can I take my congregation or my community or my family or even myself to the next level in how I think about missions. That's great advice. How about you, David? Anything you want to add to that one? Pastorally from the black community, what I would what I would say uh, specifically to those pastors is uh, one of the things that we can't do as pastors is hinder or discourage uh a person that is being called to something specific. And so by ignoring passions or missions, I'm sorry, ignoring missions, uh, not speaking about missions, not saying, uh, uh, the, how important it is, you can stifle that calling. You can discourage that calling. So, um, 
me personally, I don't want to be the one that hinders someone's calling because I may not have agreed with the philosophy. When the word of God plainly states, go ye therefore. Didn't say go to my little community, 10 streets within 10 blocks. Go ye therefore until the ends of the earth. So that's that's what I would ask for the black pastors in, in, in our communities. That's the main takeaway for me. Don't hinder someone else's calling. You have been listening to Gabby Watts, who helps to lead our global center here at Beeson Divinity School, and Pastor David Austin talk about a wonderful conference this summer on African Americans in missions. Uh, Pastor Austin, I wonder if I might ask you uh, to close our time together in a word of prayer. Most gracious and eternal Father, Lord, we thank you right now, Father God, for what you are doing right now in this time, in this age, and in this era, Lord God. Thank you for using us, Father God, as a part of of your plan. And Father God, I'm asking that you allow us to uh, to have greater influence on those that we need to influence. Let us have greater servitude on those that you would have us to serve, greater love for those that, that you are calling your own, Father God, so that your word will be spread to the masses, Lord God. We know that you love us all the same, none higher than the other, and let us begin to love one another the same way. Now, Father God, I thank you for for being in an institution that's willing to talk about difficult and, and, and sometimes uncomfortable conversations so that we can grow, Lord God, in love and in, in, in Christian brotherhood and Christian unity. These are many blessings we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You have been listening to the Beeson Podcast. God bless you. Bye for now. If you'd like to learn more information about the National African American Missions Conference, please visit www.thenamec.org. That's www.thenamec.org. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. The music is provided by the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham and produced by Zach Hicks. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our host is Dr. Douglas Sweeney, and I'm your co-host, Kristen Padilla. We hope you will join us here next week for another episode of the Beeson Podcast.